What's up, everybody? What's up, Hawaii Cannabis Expo? Happy to be here with all you guys here on the expo floor. My name is Bobby Black, and we are doing a live taping of my podcast, Blazing with Bobby Black, right now on Cannabis Radio. Yesterday, we had uh, Tim and Taylor Blake here from the uh, Emerald Cup. We had a great interview with them up here. Hope you caught some of that. And uh, we're back here today, and today I am... Super stoked to have as my guests two gentlemen who are very near and dear to my heart, uh, former High Times colleagues of mine, and good friends of mine that I've known for many years, two luminaries in the world of cannabis cultivation. I will uh, introduce him to you first, to my immediate left. You've seen him on the cover of MG Magazine. He's the former High Times cultivation writer, uh, creator of the High Times Stash Awards, and as well as the legendary strange strawberry cough. He's also the founder of Vega Matrix Nutrient Company, and this is his first time at the Hawaii Cannabis Expo, so everybody give it up for Kyle Cushman. Oh, yo, 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 people. What is cooking? You people are beautiful. I have been asking people for the last five minutes, why am I so happy? I think I know. I think it's Hawaii. Is it? It's the weed. Yeah, it's, you know, that was, you know, that's what Ed just told me. Ed Rosenthal, I went over and said hello. I said, why am I so happy? His first answer was, because your wife's at home. Oh, <laughs> I think it's the aloha spirit. The second answer was, it was the weed. Okay. The and, third answer and, is the Aloha spirit. But you know what? You know what always comes with when you're when you're on the local when you're relying on hospitality. Well, well, when you're relying on hospitality, the 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 weed that that you that, that you get to smoke, man. There's so much love out there, and I want to thank you. I want to thank everybody for being so hospitable and so sharing and so loving. Right on, man. Right on. So, my second guest to the far left here is uh, the host of the podcast, Free Weed. Uh, he's a brand representative for Sweet Leaf Nutrients and author of the monthly advice column, Dear Danko, uh, in High Times, as well as the author of the High Times Field Guide to Strains, and his latest book is Cannabis, A Beginner's Guide. Let's hear it, everybody, for the senior cultivation editor of High Times and my Brooklyn bud, Danny Danko. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta throw that in there. <laughs> Thank you, guys. Thank you very much. Uh, this is my third year here at the Hawaii Cannabis Expo, and it's my favorite event of the year. Uh, mahalo for having us here, and for all of your spirit, and for the cannabis and the the you know the electric uh, healing flowers that you produce here with the sun grown and the just the volcanic soil and the mineral-rich and amazing uh, vibrations that come from the, the healing flowers that uh, you guys make. So, mahalo, thank you for having us, and 
Yeah, I, we have, I have a lot of history with these guys up here, uh, with Bobby and Kyle. And it's just a pleasure to be here and uh, a blessing. So thank you. So, you know, uh, for, this, for this particular podcast, sometimes I like to do, like, serious in-depth interviews. But for a podcast like this, I just want to – I don't have any pre- prepared – uh, formal questions. I just, I just love hanging with these guys, and I thought I just wanted to have a cool conversation with them, talk about our days at High Times together, uh, and talk about what they got going on now. Um, so, uh, as as maybe we should just tell the story about what happened last night. <laughs> I was thinking about that too. We had a pretty crazy night last night, <laughs> but uh, you'll have to catch. Maybe you'll catch us later, and we'll tell you about. It. <laughs> um, but uh, so I started. Uh, for those of you who are interested, I started in High Times back in 1994 uh, to show how old I am, and uh, <laughs> started in '94, left in 2015, um, and so I was there for 21 years. That's 25 years ago. Yeah, you started. Yeah, and it's amazing as, as an as a 19 year old, fresh faced little Brooklyn metalhead. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I was the I was the luckiest stoner in the world. I, I landed a, a I was I was in college, and uh, one of my classmates in one of my advertising classes, uh, she got a job as uh, an ad intern at High Times. And then when she moved on, they needed a new intern, and she told me about it. She said, "Would you be interested in working at High Times?" I said, "Hell yeah, I want to work at High Times." And uh, as it turned out, the offices of High Times were literally down the block from my college, which was pretty convenient. <laughs> Um, so I started working there in college and uh, never left. I'm like that guy who goes to sleep on your couch and ends up living in your house for like... <laughs> um, and, and you were going over to Amsterdam before you were even legally allowed to drink in America. <laughs> well, uh, I had never even been on an airplane before, uh, let alone out of the country. And I was working at High Times for all of two months. And they asked me if I wanted to go to Amsterdam and work at the Cannabis Cup. And I said... <laughs> Hell yeah, I want to go to Amsterdam. So yeah, that was my that was my first time in Amsterdam. It was ninety four. It was the first time it was open to the public. Like before that, it was a private event. So it was pretty cra- crazy. Um, and so I was there. Uh, I worked in the art department, production department, and started uh, working my way up. And uh, Danko, you you came on. Wait, wait, no, you came on next. You came on. What year did you come on, Kyle? I signed on board in, I believe it was 99. I think I had a staff position from 99 to 04. Yeah, and you, you came on. Explain, talk to us about how you, how you got your start at High Times. Well, um, legend has it that I was the High Times staff pot dealer before I worked there. Weren't we all? Unconfirmed reports. And, you know, I... Uh, I guess I, I, I made some friends, and um, what actually happened was John Holmstrom was the publisher at the time, and he called me up one day and he said, are you interested in a low-paying, high-prestige job? <laughs> great exposure. And, You'll have and, great exposure. And, you know, and I was all of 23 or 24 years old or something, and I said, how much? said $200 a month. So for $200 a month, he would mail me a floppy disk. I didn't even have internet yet. And they were building the High Times website. They didn't even have a website yet. And so for three years, I answered Q&A. 
And I, it wasn't even Kyle yet. It wasn't even Ask Kyle. Oh, it was, it was Ask Kyle. I wrote my first story, yeah. And, and that's how I eventually got offered a staff position at the magazine. Right on. And we should, we should mention, since he's here in the building, uh, that the, the very first columnist, uh, question and answer columnist for High Times was indeed Mr. Ed Rosenthal, uh, the guru of ganja, who we all know and love here at the Hawaii Cannabis Expo. We, so, it, it's kind of like, you know, passing the torch, you know, kind of thing. And um, so, so when I worked there, my title was cultivation reporter. Because, you see, they didn't want to formally make me an editor because I didn't have any formal training. So I got to be the cultivation reporter. But the interesting thing was, almost three years went by. I was giving out thousands of business cards. And one stoner came up to me one day and he said, cultivation reporter? And I never noticed. I had actually put in for reprints and they reversed two letters and I wasn't the cultivation reporter. <laughs> I was the cultivation reporter. That's even more prestigious, actually. There's only, there's only one of those. Yeah. And so what I wanted to say was, so then, you know, I did my five years in New York Penitentiary, which is what I call living in New York City. And one day I said to Danny, I said, Dan, I can't take this anymore. I got to get out of the city. I'm a country mouse. I said, you should take my job. Well, he did. <laughs> now we, we segue on to Danny's uh, beginning formative years at High Times. <laughs> take it away, Danny. Yeah, I mean, I just, I wanted to get my foot in the door, so I, there was only a couple of cannabis companies that even existed on the East Coast at the time, so I, uh, I started playing for the softball team. I worked for a hemp clothing company, Headcase. Yeah, so I worked for yeah the pitcher right here. So I worked for a hemp clothing company, and we were one of the two companies on the East Coast that even had anything to do with cannabis. Uh, Headcase Hemp Hats and High Times Magazine. So we were an advertiser in High Times. I was and I was, by the way, I was the uh, art director of their ad campaigns. Of That's right. I was designing their ads for High Times and their merchandise tags and all that stuff. We were closely related. So you kind of graduated from Headcase to High Times. That's what happened with Chihoniak, and that's what happened with me. And so I started full-time in 2002 at High Times. And, that's, and when Kyle left in 2004, uh, he basically told me, he's like, you know how to grow, you know cannabis, and you know how to write. And the, the hard part, really, with what we do is that people who really know how to grow might not know how to write or even want need money from writing. Um, and the people who don't know how to grow but do know how to write can't be cultivation people. So and, sure. and we had to give up our lives as growers to become writers. Exactly. So for me, actually, the gig started as a cover gig. Like, I just wanted to have something I could tell my girlfriend's parents that I did. <laughs> you know? Like, oh, I work for... I, I have, have a job, job. see? <laughs> I'm not just a pot grower or a dealer, but I have a job. So I basically... Uh, I, I took the gig as a cover gig, as a job, to have a job, and then that became my job. And, <laughs> you know, and now I visit a lot of other grows, and I visit big ones and small ones, and... Uh, you know, massive, massive ones. We're talking about a million square feet of canopy and all the way down to a 4 by 4 grow tent. Uh, and my whole thing is just to con con convince people to grow their own. Everybody's worried about corporate cannabis. Everybody's worried about Monsanto and Marlboro and all these people taking over this industry as it becomes legal. So the important thing is to understand 
A, you don't have to buy your cannabis from any of those corporations. You can grow it yourself and create a better product for pennies to the dollar, and you know everything that went into it. You know the strain. You know that it works for you medicinally. You know what nutrients were used. You know how well it was flushed. You know if there was pesticides used in it. All of the things that weird people are worried about, you don't have to worry about if you grow your own. And so that's my whole thing that I've been, you know, preaching. That's my philosophy. You know, the good thing about legalization is we don't have to go to jail. That's the good thing. So all the youngsters should remember that, you know, there was a lot of risk in this game back then. We're talking about the 90s and all that. There was a lot of risk. You know, people took a lot of risk. And the money was in the risk. But now that it's being, becoming legal, you can make it yourself. And you don't have to worry about the corporatization, the taxes, the over-regulation, all the BS that we have, all the hoops we have to jump through. You don't have to worry about. You got your 10 plants or your 12 plants or whatever you can grow, and there's a limit on the amount of plants, but no limit on the size of those plants. You can grow really big plants and never have to worry about it. So grow your own. That's right what on. I say. You know, Danny's absolutely right. You know, there's always something to worry about, and big ag is not going anywhere. But you know what the new worry is? The new worry is that our community won't bind together and back each other. And that's why events like this is so important, because there's only so much real estate in the world, whether you're talking about financial or land. And the more, more real estate that we grab up, the less there is for them. So making partnerships and making friends and, uh, you know, you're never going to be as big as Big Ag. So don't even try to fight them. Just make something big and strong enough for yourself so that you can survive. And you can't do it on your own. So partnerships and collaborations and let's stop fighting with each other and making bullshit agreements with each other that I'm sick and tired of hearing these great collaborations and a year later everybody hates each other. You know? This is business. Just talk about it all right the first time. If you have to write it down, write it down. If you don't, don't. But just honor your commitments and be nice. And when the, when the, when the deal doesn't work out, don't become enemies. Find a way to move on and share the intellectual property and share whatever it is you created together because we can be strong as a community. The cannabis community is practically a religion, people. So let's bind together and not tear each other down. Is all I'm saying. Amen. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and all those companies, those big corporations, they want what we've got. You have the perfect environment. You have the perfect climate. And, you know, the, the cannabis culture that is here already in the islands exists for a reason. And there's something very unique about the sun-grown cannabis from Hawaii. You're listening to Blazin' with Bobby Black. Radio. Cannabis industry professionals want to gain some new leads, make genuine business connections, and get premier brand exposure? This is your opportunity. 
NCIA's new industry socials are kicking off in Seattle, Portland, Las Vegas, Salt Lake City, and Phoenix in January. Register today using the promo code CANNABISRADIO20, all spelled in caps, one word, CANNABISRADIO20, to take 20% off at thecannabisindustry.org slash events. Sponsorship opportunities are available. Register today at thecannabisindustry.org slash events. Now available for pre-order through crowdfunding for just $14 plus $10 shipping. Pouches, premium mixing and rolling pouches, allow you to carry and prepare your herbs for consumption with discretion and ease. These stylish pouches are handcrafted using strong zips, long-wearing buffalo leather outside, and smooth, cheap skin inside. A portion of proceeds go to fund vital medical research into cannabis for ADHD. See a demo and get yours now on Indiegogo or Pouches.com. That's P-O-U-C-H-Z.com. Are you ready to be inspired and educated by the best of the best in the cannabis industry while enjoying sunny South Florida? Then you cannot miss out on the second annual United States Cannabis Conference and Expo, August 2nd and 3rd at the Hyatt Regency in downtown Miami. The USCC Expo welcomes all cannabis business professionals, medical cannabis caregivers and clinicians, growers and dispensary owners to join us for another can't-miss event. Sponsored by the radio and podcast leader for all things cannabis, CannabisRadio.com. Learn more at usccexpo.com. So I'm going to bring it back. Uh, so speaking about sun-grown cannabis and all that good stuff um, and, and growing your own, um, I remember specifically back in the office when uh, Kyle first brought up his new strain for us to try out. And uh, we had this little uh, back stairway we used to go to, uh, like the uh, uh, fire stairs in the back of the office where we would go smoke. And we went out there, and it was uh, me and Kyle and a few other people we worked with, Frank and a couple other people. So we were, we were dry toking dry token it, and one of us said, oh, this tastes like strawberries, like almost like Franken, Frankenberry strawberry, you know? And so we lit it up, and we were smoking it, and... And then we started coughing our guts up, <laughs> and and Frank turns around. The art director Frank turns around and says, "Strawberry cough." <laughs> and if I recall, that's how how it got its name. Am I am I right, Kyle, or, or am I mis mis uh, remembering so, that? So okay, so <laughs> now this has been a really great trip, and and you know I don't get to see these guys too often. Okay, we all live far apart. Danny lives in New York. I live in L.A. Bobby lives in another part of California. So this has been really great. And, and I'm learning something. And I'm, what I'm learning is, is that I'm learning how high times urban legends get created. <laughs> and I've heard some stories, particularly ones about me, that some of them ring true. Like, yeah, that sounds like me, but I don't really remember. Was I there? And then, and then other ones just sound like a really good story for when they were sitting around in the green room getting really high talking about Cushman, and somebody just, you know, was a little too high or but and they, no, you guys did not name Stephen <laughs> Cobb. <laughs> I okay, I no one told me that story. This is my memory now. Granted, my memory is terrible. 
So, so I'm willing to. Yeah, I mean, so it's your just, strain. You tell me the real so story. Just, I, that's what I remember. But I think the important thing here for, for you, Bob, is to realize that you may be willingly or unwillingly creating urban legends, and and that might not be a bad thing. <laughs> <laughs> Strawberry cough. I'm going to get a cease and desist uh, letter from Kyle's <laughs> lawyer pretty soon. If I tell that story one more time. No, tell us the real story, Kyle. Strawberry cough. Um, the whole world seems to think that I made strawberry cough. I've told the world a hundred thousand times that it was a gift to me. It was a first time cross by a novice breeder. And what I like to point out to all the to a lot of people who think that you have to grow thousands and thousands of plants in order to find your phenotype, well, this kid in uh, Bridgeport, Connecticut, crossed two plants for the first time ever and made one of the most famous strains ever to exist on the planet. So, you know, you and and my breeding, all of my breeding that I've done for any strains that I might be famous for, Starberry or Star Dog or. Uh, Joey Strain, you know, um, I did those with maybe a hundred seeds, and and they got very popular. So uh, don't be deterred. Uh, breeding is fun, you know. All right. Well, thank thank you for setting that record straight. But uh, I will I will have to just keep that story in my own brain. Hey, and my apologies to Frank for bursting his bubble. Well, yeah, that was my story. I don't even know. I never even corroborated it with Frank, to be honest with you. I was just going by what I remembered. But I remember things incorrectly all the time, so. Urban legends. Thanks for setting it straight. But someday you may thank me for that urban legend. No, the, the, other, one, the other one was when you were telling the story the other night about how I paid. Oh, Danny was telling a story about how I once paid... The, the, the prepaid, the cleaning fee, that's the one where I'm kind of like, you know, it, it, it sounds like something I do. Tell, tell that story. Tell that story, Danny. Oh, that definitely happened. I was there. <laughs> we were in uh, San Francisco checking into the hotel, and, you know, they always tell you, uh, you got to pay, if you smoke in your room, you're going to pay a $250 fee for cleaning the room, and you got to sign this, or you got to pay that fee if you smoke or whatever. He showed up, he checked in, and he prepaid the fee. <laughs> he just gave them the $250. Yeah. And he, would, he wouldn't sign it, right? He wouldn't, no, it. he wouldn't sign it. He said, I'm not signing that, but what I will do is I will give you the $250 in advance. And then the party ended up in his room. He ended up smoking the room out. I think they probably have a clause... They yeah. have a clause now called the Cushman Clause, <laughs> and they you say, no, we're going to charge you the 250 for every time you smoke in the room. Ooh. But he, he found a, a, a window there, and he got in there, and I mean, I was there at like, I think, three or four in the morning, and Rocker T is performing in his room, performing live <laughs> in the room and with multiple joints going around, and, and we, we had nothing to worry about because he prepaid the smoking fee. Yeah. <laughs> See, a little more, a little more info on that party. So, me, so Shiloh, hey Shiloh, you out there? He's talking about the the time when we collaborated and entered the San Francisco Cup, and we rented out the whole floor of this little boutique hotel except for one room. So that one person happened to complain, and the next and the next day, I found out that the the bell person told this person, look. We're really sorry, 
but Kyle Cushman rented practically the whole floor. And um, we're not, we're, if you'd like, we'll move you to another floor. And they just let us keep on partying. And that's how we were able to play music all night long. <laughs> that's awesome. You know, those little gray areas you're talking about in the rules, those are, those are the best. Like, I remember, uh, I'll never forget when we were in Amsterdam uh, at the Borchland, uh, and we got raided by the Dutch police. And they came, like, in full force, like a hundred officers. And... They like came in unexpectedly into the expo and they basically t shut everything down and said, you know, everybody has to leave and on your way out, we're going to search you and any cannabis you have on you, we're going to confiscate. Now, these are the judges who have all paid money to come to Amsterdam to be judges and they've spent days collecting all the different entries and samples from all the shops. They've been going all over the city collecting this weed and this ash to judge. And now they're going to have it all taken away, all that money they spent, all that time, everything. And they were, everybody was so angry and so pissed, so the people started forming a line to leave the place. And it was Debbie Goldsberry, uh, activist in California, um, and she was talking to one of the officers, and he said, he said, once you come through, we're taking it. You know, if you're in here, it's whatever. And she's like, so wait, so... He's like, he made a joke, he made a joke of like, basically, well, you better smoke it now, because right. before you come, if you come out with it, we're going to take it. And she's like, oh, we could smoke it here, in here, as long as we stay in here, we could smoke it, right? <laughs> that word spread like a virus through the whole venue, and every single stoner, thousands of stoners in this venue all sat down, busted out their entire stashes, and began rolling it, packing it into bowls, and smoking it. That was the biggest hot box I have ever been a part of, and the police stood there and watched the whole thing, dumbfounded. <laughs> they, they couldn't believe that we were doing this. They couldn't believe people were rolling joints like this big with like, you know, like a pound in a joint, passing it around the whole room. And they were just, they, they couldn't even do anything about it. They just let us do it. And after yeah. all that, the whole place filled with smoke, after all that, people started finally filtering out, and the cops were just like, what the hell, man? Yeah. You remember them, that. Some of them had a contact high. There were cops that had to go outside and get fresh air because they could not deal with the amount of smoke. That some of them were starting to get the giggles, too. I saw giggles. a few of them yeah. like giggling, and, like, oh, yeah. and they were like getting stern looks from their superiors <laughs> and stuff. Absolutely. Yeah, and I mean, that's really where it started. You gotta give props to Amsterdam and the culture of tolerance for cannabis use because there's no feeling like going into a coffee shop and being treated like a customer instead of a criminal, ordering cannabis from a menu, sitting down, having a coffee, and consuming cannabis in peace. In a civilized manner. Yeah, yeah, and not in like somebody's basement or, you know, garage, but in a, a coffee shop experience where you can see outside the window and the life goes on outside. And, and I think it's very important. It was a very special feeling to me to go there and feel that and think, you know, this is how it could be everywhere. And even the people in Holland, they said, take this home with you and change it back home. And that's what we've done. I mean, we started doing cannabis cups in the United States in 2010, uh, which was a dream come true to have places we could go Absolutely, in, yeah. in, in the States. And now it's spreading and changing very quickly. What we've seen in our careers in this industry and in this community and business and all of the things you want to call it is incredible. We've seen a sea change in 
the legality of this healing medicine, this a, flower. A, a THC change? A THC change. <laughs> and it's a healing flower. You know, people talk about drugs. There's drugs out there. You know, you've got your meth and your heroin and your opioids. Yeah, this is not a drug. This is a healing flower, and it helps people. Marijuana is a copioid. Yeah, it's a it's a people say it's a gateway drug, but it's not. It's a, actually a way out, a gateway back to humanity. Dude, dude, I seriously, I grew my first crop of marijuana with my coke dealer. You remember Waldo? Waldo, they named a strain after him. I took him to Amsterdam three years in a row in a wheelchair. And they named a strain after him called the Waldo. It's in the Bible, the Canada Bible. And he was my coke dealer. And after we grew our first crop, we both quit quit doing coke. We left all our coke friends. And so it goes. Yeah, and I think, you know, for people who are struggling with addictions, for people who are struggling with post-traumatic stress... For people who just struggle with anxiety, this is a healing flower medicine that helps them. And everything we're doing here is in service to this amazing, amazing plant. And this is an amazing place to grow the plant as well. You guys have a very rich environment, very amazing sunshine, amazing soil, and it's paradise. And I think the the pakalolo that comes from here... Uh, you know, they call it the crazy leaf, but it's the healing leaf. You know, I want to say something to all you people, all you little business, small business owners out there. I've met some of you, really cool people, um, CBD coffee and uh, the sweet treat people over there and uh, the, the Hawaii alchemist, the burrito people. You people are fantastic. And, you know... I just want to say that everybody, you got to follow your dreams, man. And and seriously, no, you know, you're you're on it. Some of you guys may be small, and you feel like you're up against something really big. But you know, look at me. I mean, I, I was a high school pot dealer, and I followed my dreams. And I'm up here, and I get to talk to you all. So, you know, if, if you feel good about what you're doing. You don't need to make a million dollars. You just need to be happy and and survive and have a good life. So uh, just I just wanted to say, follow your dreams, people. Yes, for the business people and for the attendees, support the mom and pops. Support the small farmers, the small community, and, and support them. Buy their products. You're going to get a better quality product when it's produced on a smaller scale. If there's anything I've learned in cannabis over all these years, it's that the bigger you go, the more you grow mids. And if you want the top quality product, you can't do it in a huge factory. You have to do it. You have to do it in a small space, and that's why our people will survive. Our community is all about supporting the small business, the small farmer, and the mom and pops, and the co-ops. That's where you got to spend your money. Don't give your money to Monsanto or Marlboro or Budweiser or any of these corporations. Support your friends, support the community, and support the small businesses and the mom and pop grow-ops. Yeah, I want to jump in there uh, because uh, that's a good point, Danny. Um, I talk a lot about 
uh, when people ask me about what do I think about the corporatization stuff, I always say, well, there's we always we always knew there was no way we were going to keep these companies out of it if it became legal. We we always we always knew that Marlboro and whoever was going to jump in and start jumping on the bandwagon. But I always liken it to like the beer and craft beer situation where like, yeah, sure, Budweiser and Coors are in every store and people that don't know any better or don't care will buy that. But people who really love beer are not buying Coors Light. People who love beer are going to the microbrews and they're getting these great craft beers, these wonderful locally made beers. Um, and maybe those locally locally made beers do get bigger and they get more distribution and stuff. But the point is, is that you're going for quality. You're going for craftsmanship. You're not going for uh, you know the ubiquitous product that's everywhere. Um, and that's an important thing. And I think that as the cannabis industry develops, we need to. I hope that it will follow that kind of model where yes, there will be the big guys, but we need to have those little craft artisan people still producing and I think that another important thing is those little craft artisan people can also team up into organizations and then act as one to become a bigger player and have a bigger voice at the table without losing their autonomy or their identity you can form a, a political action committee or, or a nonprofit group you can form these organizations that's what they did in Amsterdam as well the coffee shop owners in Amsterdam uh, Obviously, they, they were making uh, you know a good amount of money, so the wealthier coffee shop owners got together and they formed an organization to lobby the government to make changes that were beneficial to them. And you, when you have money and you have many voices, you you have power. So uh, all the small businesses out there work on forming, like Danny said, friendships and partnerships with other small businesses. You guys are not necessarily in competition with one another. You guys can work together toward the same goal and have a bigger, stronger voice. And I know that, uh, you know, the community here in Hawaii is great, but the laws still need a little tweaking, I think. There's still there's still some progress that needs to be made here, I'm sure. Uh, a lot of you would agree with that. And uh, you guys can help make that change. You guys can help make Hawaii uh, more tolerant and, and to more products, more different types of cannabis products, uh, eventually recreational. I know that's uh, coming up for you guys hopefully soon. And, and yet, yeah, just keep at it, man. Keep at, be Activism works, uh, especially when people band together. Yeah, and, and that's why I use the word co-op, because co-op is a cooperation between small groups and they become stronger and bigger when they cooperate. That doesn't mean you have to like sign any paperwork or anything. Just form cooperatives, form ways to get together, and the small businesses can survive and thrive. And as consumers, like I said, support your small local businesses and keep them thriving. That's that's the way to uh, be. You know. Yeah, Bobby mentioned like the alcohol industry, but I think it's more like cigars as well because if you look at it, you know, people who don't care about, you know, the quality of their tobacco will smoke cheap cigars, but the people who are true believers that love what they, what, you know, the product that they're consuming will pay a little extra for a high quality product. And I think that's the, the, the place where we are. And everybody wants to make money in this business. You can make money in a lot of different businesses, but support the true believers, the people who really love the plant and they're in it for the right reasons. You know, I want to get back to Danny a few minutes ago said that, uh, you know, the big guys are always, you, you, you can't grow real artisan weed when you get really big. 
and that the small guys are going to always grow the good stuff. And so what I want to, I want to, I want to keep, how many people out here grow their own marijuana? Yo, 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 I'm talking to everybody. How many people out here grow their own marijuana? Alright, so I want to talk a second about methodology, about, about how you think, okay? And all energy is finite, okay? When you decide to do something, the intention behind your decision about what you're going to do is more important than the thing itself. So your intention, whether you decide to grow the most weed or the best weed, you can't do both. Energy is finite. You can either decide to grow the best weed or the most weed. And that's a conscious decision that you make. And when you start making money, and all of a sudden you start thinking about how can I make more money, there's no way you're growing the best weed. So this, is, this has nothing to do with scalability, or technology, or intelligence. It has to do with intention. And that's what I want everybody to realize. The reason you decide to do something is more important than the thing itself. Right on. Uh, I agree, Kyle. And uh, another good uh, model that I was just thinking of was something that I know Frenchie... Heavy, man. <laughs> something that, hey, man, that was really heavy. Cool, man. Um, uh, something else that I was thinking about is, is something that I know Frenchie Cannoli uh, and, um, and other people have been uh, talking about, which is the... The similarity to fine wine with this concept of terroir, which is um, having you know cannabis like wine that comes from certain regions and that adheres to certain standards, being labeled as that as such and having a certification that you know if you get like a Humboldt certified strain that it's it meets certain criteria and that it was grown in that exact region that exact way. And I think that's a really good way too because it's a way for those small micro businesses to have prestige and have distribution and, and, and do that without necessarily have to scale up so so much. Absolutely. That's that's what's called that's what's called appellation. Where if it's from a region and it's done in it with a traditional process, it is of that place. Appalachia? Like the trail? <laughs> appellation. <laughs> it, it's uh, it's how you're able to say this is champagne. Right, right. If you if in Italy, if you make champagne in Italy, it's called prosecco. Yeah, it's not called champagne because it's not from the champagne region or Bordeaux or or so many other wines. Yeah. This is what's so important about Hawaii cannabis is that you have that prestige, unique, very unique prestige to the strains, prestige to the sunshine, the sun-grown organic cannabis that's grown in a volcanic rich. You know, soil with all the mycorrhizae and all of the beneficial bacteria and all the things that make it just amazing and and high high quality with that intense sun grown. The spec you can't recreate indoors what you can grow here in paradise in in the the proper conditions. It can't be reproduced indoors. It the, there's something about the spectrum of sunshine. And the amount of rain and the, the soil and all of those things 
that make it very unique. And the cannabis here is very unique. And it's electric. Boogie woogie. Yeah. And it's the same as, the same as coffee as well. Like, you have Sumatran coffee, you have Kona coffee, you have Blue Mountain in Jamaica, you have these these regions that produce these beans that are unique to that region, and people pay big money, they they, they search for it, they want it, it's, it's sought after, um, and it has to be certified as being from that region, and I think, you're right, Hawaii is just key, perfectly set up to put out a cannabis terroir that is... You know, the Kona, the Puna, the, you know, these, these regions that produce this amazing cannabis. There's all the legends of the, you know, the Maui Waui and the Kona and the Puna and all of that. But the reality is nowadays you can grow anything here. It will acclimate to this area. It will find a way not only to survive here, but to thrive here. And that's very, very unique and something that needs to be absolutely delineated as Hawaiian-grown, sun-grown, organic cannabis from this area, it, it's it's very important that that remains a thing and becomes something that people cherish and, and you know, value. Heart, value, value. Yeah. Uh, isn't it amazing, though, how, you know, I personally don't know for sure, but I don't know if you can grow kiwis in your closet, and I don't know if you can grow papayas in your closet, but isn't it really cool that you can take just about any variety of cannabis and grow it anywhere in the world, in any room or in any attic or any basement? I think that's pretty cool, don't you? That's why they call it a weed, man. Yeah, and the conditions here, like I said, I've been only to the Big Island and Oahu, but the plants are so happy. You know, as a plant person, you, you can sense when plants are unhappy or when they're happy, and the plants here are just delighted with the environment, you know, they're so happy. And it's it's very unique. I mean, I think you can like, you could probably put a popsicle stick in the ground here and it'll root and become a tree. I, I really believe that there's just, yeah, it'll root and become a tree, a popsicle stick. That's how fertile the soil is here. And that's how much, you know, you know this, there's, it's so unique, this volcanic activity and and all of that. It can be very destructive, but also very productive. And but the people here are pretty happy, too. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. It's hard to Not leave. Not just the plants. Absolutely. But, you know... That's, that's what it is. It's all vibration. That's what this plant is. That's why it survives anywhere. I, it's because... We, I know when I'm in a really, really bad way, I don't have a good crop. It has to have something to do with the vibrations you put in, and I don't go in my room as much when I'm in a bad mood. I don't want to give my bad vibes to my plants. Another cool thing we should mention is, you know, if, you, if you're not interested in the, you know, the psychoactive properties of THC, this plant has a lot to offer as well. You know, obviously CBD, but there's CBG and THCA and THCV and um, so many cannabinoids and flavonoids and terpenoids that we have yet to find out and discover all the magical things that can be discovered from this plant and all the healing properties that this plant has, whether it be inflammation or any other form of disease. We, we're not talking about a drug. We're talking about a very, very important healing flower, an herb that was provided to us from nature. And you guys can produce an incredible, amazing variety of it here and that's what makes Hawaii special and that's what makes this plant special you're listening to Blazin with Bobby Black on Cannabis Radio
the smoke is rising and the next crop of podcasts devoted to cannabis providers and enthusiasts are ready to be harvested welcome to the cannabis radio network founded by respected rainmakers who have been producing award-winning podcasts for over a decade industry headlines business updates medical reports marketing and e-commerce education rolled up perfectly for your consumption let's grow together the cannabis radio Network, CannabisRadio.com. Ignite the conversation on some trending topics along the Cannabis Radio social media network. Join our crew of thousands on our Cannabis Radio page on Facebook or at Canna Radio, C-A-N-N-A Radio on Twitter. Plus, look for our Facebook and Google Plus pages for all of our original programs and connect with Dr. Dina, Kyle Cushman, Dr. Mitch Earlywine, Nurse Heather, Doc Rob, the hosts of Gondrepreneur, and more. Connect with the growing Cannabis Radio social crusade at Canna Radio on Twitter or search for Cannabis Radio on Facebook, Google Plus, and Instagram and grow with us. Oh, Lady Marijuana Lama, tell you something now. About a game for your phone, gonna make you say, Wow! The game's about the game of growing cannabis for cash. Grow the seeds, sell the bud, put the savings in the stash. Little by little, your empire grows large. Put the big celebrities inside your entourage. You can choose to play with Snoop or me or Chichin Chong. Cypress Hill, Willie Nelson, Wiz Khalifa with a bong. The name of the game is him, think that's the point. Download and play while you like yourself a joint. The business of cannabis should be no crime. Hemp Inc. is even hot proved by the man who run high times. Oh yeah, get it on Android and I and iOS today. Marijuana Llama out. Got to tend to me on crap channel. Money don't make itself. Hemp Inc. So I, I have a little dream I want to share with y'all. I had a dream once, an actual dream. And and, and it could become a reality. So that's why I want to share it. I want to put it out there in the world. So could you all imagine a music festival built around the world's largest marijuana plant? So, so, so what you do is you start yourself a plant in the ground where you're going to build the stage, right? And you, you, you veg this plant under 24 hours of light for I don't know how long. Ah, five years. I don't think it would. No, I don't think it would take that long. Maybe, maybe a year, maybe one year. And what you do is, as the plant grows, you support it and build scaffolding around it, and you literally build a tree, burning plant, right? So now you've got this. You've got this twenty-foot-tall plant that's ready to flower. So you time it so that when you take the building away, you know that the natural light is ready to flower it. And so now you have this plant flower. It grows another 20 feet tall. You have a 30, 30, 40 foot tall marijuana plant supported by scaffolding and everything, right? You see people up on the scaffolds doing pruning and shit. They look like little, little tiny things. And you time the concert so that on the last day of the concert, you chop the plant up into pieces and everybody who attended the concert gets to take home a branch of the plant. I like the idea of the Burning Man concept where you just set the whole thing ablaze and, no! and everybody just stands around it and goes, oh, and sucks and breathes it all in. I want to I wanna live in a treehouse inside there <laughs> on the second floor of the plant. Where do you live? I live in a treehouse in a cannabis plant. <laughs> I'm serious. I want somebody to do this. This is a doable thing. 
All right, guys, we got any investors out there for uh, Kyle's uh, burning Burn, plant, burning uh, plant uh, festival. concert festival? I'm the head cultivator. <laughs> Let's get started on it now so we can have the concert in a year or two. <laughs> so um, going back to what we were talking about a little before, um, we were talking about Amsterdam. We were talking about the States. Danny, you mentioned when we, when we had started doing the cups in the States. Uh, the ironic thing is that as we, as the laws were loosening here in the United States, we were doing more cups. The laws were tightening in Amsterdam, which is, an, you know, where we had a, they had like a right wing government come in power, and Amsterdam kind of fell off from being the cannabis capital that it used to be, um, and you know, to the point where High Times just kind of stopped even going there and doing the event there. Um, and thankfully, we have now in the United States, we have so many we have places that we can do these event, these types of events um, we had Tim and, and uh, you know Taylor on yesterday obviously the Emerald Cup is is one of the uh, more prominent events and High Times still does uh, a number of events too yep. um, so what, what's uh, tell us about what's been hap- you know what's been going on with you and High Times and stuff over there yeah I mean it, it, it is interesting how as things get more legal it becomes harder for us to get together and, and have social use and social events. Um, it's one of the hoops that we have to jump through. And I, I, I feel like, you know, a lot of people think, oh, it's getting legal, it's all over, the war on pot is over. It's not over. And there are three, three things, I think, that are the most important things that we need to do. One is release all the nonviolent cannabis prisoners that are in any jail, uh, expunge their records, Free, free them from any kind of... It, it's an absolute travesty that there are still people in prison for this for, for this plant. It's While other people are making money doing legally exactly what they did. It's, a, it's horrible. It's an absolute tragedy. And we need, to, we need to release... The first thing we need to do is release every nonviolent cannabis prisoner in the world. Then we need to expunge their records. We need to change it so they, they, they can vote and they can be a part of society and they're not uh, considered criminals ever again. The second thing we need to do is make sure that we have a right to grow our own. I don't care if it's five plants, ten plants, twenty plants. The limit is on the amount of plants, but not on the size of the plants. But we have to grow our own. I do not want to rely on the government to grow my cannabis. And the third thing is social use. We have to be able to get together and consume this plant together. If people want to drink together, they can drink together. People want to do whatever they want to do, they can do that. But we have to free the prisoners, be able to grow our own, and be able to use get together socially. There's veterans out there, there's elderly people out there, and just the right to smoke is not enough. They need to be able to get together with us and all celebrate this plant peacefully together. We get together by the thousands all the time. I've been to these events for 20 years. There's never any problems or incidents. If this was a beer festival or anything else, there would be fistfights and trouble. And there is never trouble at any of these events. We are cannabis. We are peaceful cannabis people. We are not a threat to society. We're we're from every walk of life. We are all ages, all races, all people together. We love this plant, and we get together, and we want to enjoy it. We want our people free, and we want to grow our own. I'm pretty sure those are the lyrics of a Bob Marley song. <laughs> 
I don't know. I mean, honestly, it's just really important to me that people understand that, you know, a lot of people took a lot of risks for us to be here, and a lot of people paid the price. A lot of families paid the price, and a lot of dogs were shot, and a lot of problems happened. This is the drug war, the war on these flower is a tragedy, and it's a travesty. And anything we can do to change it and to make it better for our children and their children is a step in the right direction. So we got to change these laws and we got to free this plant. Right on, man. You know, and I, I look forward to the day when, uh, you know, I, we, I love the Hawaii Cannabis Expo and I, I look forward and hope for the day when we can have a, an official legal medicating area at this event somewhere outside wherever it is uh that's not today but it's coming and i'm i i have faith in that i have hope in that uh i think the laws will continue to change and get better for all you guys here in hawaii and for the rest of us uh, back on the mainland um and i think that as we approach the next uh, presidential election you're going to see more and more candidates coming out in favor of legalization and hopefully within a few years we'll have federal legal legalization uh and that's going to be an amazing amazing day uh that I, that we all will hopefully get to see and live live through and another message to the politicians or anybody involved in all of that is that we're from we're from the underground and we could go back to the underground so if you overtax us you overregulate us and you make us jump through all these hoops we we know how to go back to where we came from so Treat us properly, and everybody will be happy. Yeah, you know, I mean, we're, we're happy. The cannabis community and the cannabis industry are happy to pay our taxes if they're fair. You know, we're happy to uh, be, you know, legitimate as long as the rules are fair. And, you know, and unfortunately in some states and some areas, the taxes and the rules are not very fair, and they need to be worked on. Um, but at least we're still making steps in the right direction, you know the arc of uh, arc of uh, history is bending in the right direction as uh, to to badly paraphrase uh, Martin Luther King Jr. Uh, but <laughs> but it's true you know things are getting better uh, even though some laws are not great there's th certain things in California that people are certainly not happy about um, and as well as some of the other states and, and here but uh, we are continuing to make it better and only through our our hard work and our vigilance can can this uh, can those changes come about. Listen, there's so much that we have to learn still from this plant, from soil, from the relationship between bacteria and roots and uh, m mushrooms, all of these things. We, got, we need to go back to the future and basically rediscover uh, how to create healing farming soil, living soil, and... I mean, that's how you remediate all of the carbon issues and all of the things that are happening with the earth is to create a living soil and improve on your soil year after year. So uh, we've got we've got definitely a few minutes left. Um, what I'd like to try to do is uh, if there's I know I'm putting you guys on the spot, but I'd like to know if there's if you can think of a particular memory or story from our days back at High Times. That you'd be uh, that you can recall to share with everybody that we haven't uh, already spoken about. 
It could be a memory from a cannabis cup. It could be something that happened in the office. It could be a particular story that you did, maybe a certain feature. What was your favorite uh, story that you did or your craziest adventure you went on well, while working at High Times? A, re- a real quick Tell us a story. Good story. A real quick story. I remember the one and only time I got a compliment from Stephen Hager. So I'd been writing stories for three or four years, and, and they sent me to Amsterdam to be a judge. And they send you over there for a week, but you really only get three days on the ground because it's a, two days of traveling. It's one day there, one day back. Uh, one day of prep, you really got three days. So I wrote a story called, uh, it was 70, 72 strains in, 48 strains in 72 hours. And the last line of the story was, if they ever ask you to do this, ask for more time. And, <laughs> and I just remember it because I had a lot, a lot of fun writing it, but I remember when the boards were going around, you know, and Hager's walking around the office, and he came by, and he had the boards in his hand. He said, hey, Kyle, this is a really good story. So I was really, he made me really happy. That's my one and only compliment ever. <laughs> uh, yeah, I guess my first big feature article was called Jungle in the Bronx, and I went up to the Bronx, you know, uh, which at, even now is not gentrified, but <laughs> at that time certainly was not gentrified. And I went up there and did an article um, on a very, like, you know, big indoor grow right in the middle of the city. And uh, I just remember, you know, that was like a really big moment for me. Uh, it was my first big feature article that went through the centerfold and I shot the pictures myself. It was pretty exciting. That was around 2005. Um, another thing I remember is Bonnaroo backstage where the uh, Cypress Hill were meeting uh, Damian Marley and it was the it was the hip hip like high times backstage. There was a, a bunch of different stages at Bonnaroo, but this was the one that happened to have Damian, uh, Cypress Hill, and I think maybe Radiohead. And so it was like that was the cool backstage, and I remember being there and. and having a really good time uh, hanging out with those guys and enjoying that area. The music and the, the just the camaraderie of uh, being like the stoner backstage at Bonnaroo. Yeah, man. I mean, we've gotten to meet a lot of really big celebrities and musicians and cool people over the years. Uh, I've gotten to meet a lot of, uh, you know, famous people. Smoked a bowl with Ozzy, met Snoop, met Jay and Silent Bob, met Harold and Kumar, met we all could, these we guys. We could talk about this stuff. We could, for, we could make a movie about this stuff. <laughs> I, I got my best piece of hair advice from Kid Rock. <laughs> so, so I'm at my third Kid Rock concert backstage, and Bob, Bob took the motorcycle. Somebody brought his motorcycle out of the back of a trailer, and he did a couple of laps around the back of the Meadowlands. And he pulls up to us on his motorcycle. Me and Steve Bloom are there to interview him, right? Bob gets off his bike. He's like, hey, Steve, how are you doing? Steve's like, this is, this is Kyle. He's the new cultivation reporter. Bob looks over at me and he says, hey, Kyle, if you want to have rock and roll hair, you can't wash your hair every day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, and then if, if you want to talk about uh, story memories, I mean, I wrote a lot of features, a lot of stories, certainly a lot of columns over the year. My column, Almost Infamous, ran for 12 years. Uh, it's one of the longest running columns uh, in High Times. And, uh, you know, so many stories, so many things. To, but the one feature that I guess popped into my head that, that was really fun and memorable for me was uh, uh, the coffee shop uh, confidential story. 
um, which was I got to go to Amsterdam, not during the Cannabis Cup, uh, and go do an expose-style feature about how the coffee shop industry works. Uh, and that doesn't sound that exciting on its face, but what you have to realize is that although the coffee shops, it's legal for them to sell cannabis to consumers and it's legal for consumers to buy it, it's not legal for the coffee shops to grow it and it's not legal for them to buy it. So where does all the weed come from <laughs> that they sell to everybody? And the answer is, it's this weird underground gray area in the law where the government knows what's going on but doesn't really do anything about it, except sometimes they do. And it's this whole weird thing. And, and nobody had ever written about this before because they didn't really want anybody knowing about how this stuff worked. But my friends who owned uh, Barney's uh, and Amnesia Coffee Shop, Jerry and Sissy, wanted the story told. They thought the, they thought the information should be brought to light and that people should know what was going on. So they let me, uh, gave me behind the scenes access to go check out their operation and I got to go with what they call the runners who are the guys who bring the weed back and forth from the coffee shops into their secret locations where they sort it and store it. And, uh, and it was really exciting because I'd been to Amsterdam so many times and been to coffee shops so many times and I never really thought about or knew what went on behind the scenes. And to, to see that and be able to share that information with people was really a thrill for me. And uh, some of the coffee shop owners were not happy when that story came out. <laughs> but uh, overall, I got a lot of uh, positive feedback on it. Yeah, and you know, I, I, that was a really important story for people to understand. Like all the, the things that go down in the underground, you know. Um, and you mentioned that we've met a lot of celebrities over the years, and I've met a bunch of celebrities as well, but the, the things that stick with me is meeting the veterans, um, the seniors, the people who tell me, the people who tell me that cannabis saved their life. I cannot tell you how many thousand people have told me that this plant has saved their life. And they, they tell me it with tears in their eyes, they tell me it with chills on their arms, uh, goose pimples and all of that, that this plant saved their life. And I've met people who were addicts, people who were in all kinds of bad situations, abusive relationships, post-traumatic stress, anxiety, all kinds of things that happened to them. And it's those interactions for me that help me to understand that we are all on the right side of history. We are helping people, we are healing people. This plant is a healer. And we, as, as people who help this plant get around to more people, we are healing people. And that's the most important thing about this. Not the celebrities, not the business, not the corporations, but the healing. And that's the thing. This plant saves lives, so share it, enjoy it, grow it, consume it, and enjoy it again. Right on, man, right on. Well, I, I can tell by, by the numerous boxes of swag piling up behind me uh, and the Dabstar crew beginning to uh, file up that we're almost at 420 in a little while, so there's going to be some big giveaways going on here, so that means our time is uh, coming to an end. Any final thoughts uh, before we check out, guys? My final thought is just celebrate the flower, share the flower, grow the flower, and spread the love as far and wide as you can. 
Don't worry about you know the pitfalls of legalization. There's a lot of hoops we have to jump through, but all of it is way better than jail. You people are all so beautiful, and I don't even feel like y'all need any advice or nothing. Y'all got it going on so good out here, and you know how to share and how to love so well. But something I, I, I want to say that I like to tell people is choose to live in the light. What I mean by that is there's plenty of darkness around. There's plenty of things to worry about. There's plenty of evil in the world. We all know about it. But when you find yourself thinking about things that you know you just can't change or really don't have anything to do about and that just get, you know, just focus your little bit of energy. Remember I said finite energy. All energy is finite. You only have so much physical and mental energy. Choose to live in the light. Let the darkness surround somebody else. Peace out. All right. Well... Hawaii Cannabis Expo, thank you so much for listening. Uh, this has been Blazing with Bobby Black, uh, live here at the Hawaii Cannabis Expo. Uh, I want to thank my guests and my friends, Danny Danko and Kyle Cushman, for joining me here at the expo uh, for this uh, live taping. Thank you guys for listening. Uh, it's been a blast, and... Uh, Please uh, don't forget to tune in and choke up to my podcast on Cannabis Radio or wherever podcasts are uh, found. And uh, we will see you again next year. Thank you, guys. The opinions expressed on this CannabisRadio.com program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of the staff and management of CannabisRadio.com. Any rebroadcast or redistribution without proper consent of CannabisRadio.com is prohibited.